guys welcome to the off the bench podcast this is your host as always sean crowell um you know while i was away uh quite a few things changed you know uh, my wife and i actually moved so we're living in an apartment now um i used to record on my phone i'm gonna record on an ipad now i think it's got a little bit better of a mic so hopefully you guys can hear that on your end uh but otherwise guys i just had some good content i kind of miss doing this to be honest it's just kind of a creative element that I don't have um, in a lot of other spots in my life. I have some different hobbies and whatnot, but uh, as far as just being creative and having that kind of outlet, uh, the podcast was the way to go, and so I really missed it, and I'm looking forward to getting underway with you guys here. I started investing about two, three years ago, maybe now. I was uh, just before my senior year of college. Uh, my good friend, my roommate named Sean, he showed me his Robinhood app and he showed me, you know, you can download here. Uh, here you can put some money into some different stocks and things like that. And that was really my first, my first kind of introduction into investing and into stocks and kind of how to how to make your mark in that sort of area, how to grow your wealth, grow your money. One thing I've learned, I, I've studied a little bit, just watched some YouTube videos, read a little bit about uh, just some basic stuff, right? Some beginner stuff. I am I'm the opposite of an expert. Just just some kind of base knowledge things about stocks. And what I've really learned is that you have to be aware of red flags. You've got to really be aware of what is popping up and what is telling you, yeah, you should not invest in this company, okay? And it doesn't always mean that if this company has a red flag or two that they're just going to go bankrupt and your money is going to go, uh, you know, by the wayside. That doesn't necessarily mean that, but you should be aware of what these red flags are. Now, I, I believe in crypto. I honestly think that cryptocurrency is, is kind of the future, okay, of currency, but that doesn't mean that there's no red flags in Bitcoin, right? Have you seen the Bitcoin chart? Throughout the day, that thing is going up and down like a roller coaster. Okay, so there's some red flags there. So if you're going to keep your money in for a short term, that's a serious red flag, even long term. You know, it's been making money for a while now, but who's to say that another cryptocurrency couldn't take over and then Bitcoin could fall by the wayside? Okay, so these are some small red flags. And I'm not saying anything you shouldn't invest in Bitcoin. That's not what I mean at all. Now, investing is a lot like the draft, okay? And, and it doesn't matter what sport you look at. Uh, any sport, any league that has a draft, it's a lot like investing into stocks, right? Because you're trying to see and project where a player can go, much like you're trying to project where a stock can go. How much can your money grow if you put it into this company? Okay, so how much how much can your investment pay off if you work with and develop a specific player that you selected in the draft? So drafting players is kind of similar to investing into some stocks. Now guys, Players also have red flags, just like stocks can have red flags, right? So maybe it's uh, size, maybe that's a warning sign, 
or maybe it's athleticism. Maybe that's a warning sign. Judgment. You know, there's, there's millions of them. There's so many different variables by which we judge our young athletes. Could this be a red flag? Could this be a warning sign? Now, I would argue that it's even more important to properly evaluate these red flags in athletes that you're investing in than it is in stocks that you're investing in. Because with stocks, you can kind of spread your money around a little bit, right? So I don't have to invest all of my earnings and all of my money into one specific company. That's not true with players in the draft, okay guys? And uh, you know, my example today, I'm thinking about the NBA draft. And I'm thinking about a couple of years ago when the Pelicans selected Zion Williamson. And then Memphis then selected John Morant, right? So the Pelicans, they selected Zion. They are all in on Zion. He had some red flags. And those red flags are kind of showing up at this point. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big the sky is falling type of guy, okay? So I'm never gonna be that way. This is year three though, and he has missed so much time in the NBA. I don't have the exact number of games, but he's missed way more games than he's played in, guys. And that's a serious issue. Okay, and a lot of the reasons that he is missing games, you could have foreseen in some of the red flags before the Pelicans selected him. So some of his red flags were his size, right? So he's not necessarily out of shape, but he's just a huge guy. He's really built like kind of a defensive tackle. So that's just kind of his build. And is he explosive? Extremely. Is he fast and can he jump out of the gym? Absolutely. But this is a serious red flag when you look at his size, okay? When you look at teams who are on the road, maybe they're not always eating the healthiest 24-7. Guys, so that, that's, a serious, that's a serious red flag. You look at his size. The other one is you look at his injury history. And I'm not saying it's his fault. It's really not his fault. When he was at Duke, he's so explosive of an athlete that he just destroyed his own shoe trying to cut, right? He was trying to cut to the basket or something like that. I can't remember. And he absolutely tore through his own shoe. Now, is that his fault that he got injured in that way? Of course not right? So if I take a hammer and I hit you upside the head with it, that doesn't mean that you're injury prone or concussion prone. I just hit you with a hammer, right? So the same can be said about Zion's injury. It's not really his fault that he got injured, but he did get injured nonetheless. So if we look at the history of players who are unhealthy in college, typically they don't just become way more healthy when they get to the pros. And that goes for any sport, right? We could talk about the NFL. We could talk about Sam Bradford, who was injured in college and then injured more as a pro. We could talk about, uh, you know, the most famous one might be Odom or uh, Odin. I can't remember. Greg Odin, Odom for the uh, Portland Trailblazers guys, right? This massive guy, this great prospect. He was injured and he was injured early and he was injured often throughout his career. Really derailed him. So that's a red flag that you could pick on up on if you are New Orleans pre-draft. They decided that they didn't care. Now, it was an investment that was flashy. It was an investment that a lot of people would go with. Uh, it was the investment that was really hyped up. Okay, and that was Zion Williamson. The investment that wasn't really as hyped was John Morant. Even though he was just as good of a player, maybe, that Zion Williamson was. Okay, but he didn't have 
as many of those red flags, right? Jaw's a, a really slender guy, okay? There's tons of guards in the NBA who are very slender. Uh, Jaw was extremely athletic, okay? That helps you, obviously, as an NBA player. Um, he was really good with the basketball. He was a really good teammate. And, and it's not to say that Zion wasn't those things. Zion is, of course, athletic. Zion may be a really good teammate. I, I wouldn't really know. I'm not saying that he's not. What I'm saying is the red flags that were really present for Zion Williamson were not really as present with John Morant. So now you have to look at your investment several years later. Now it's only been three years, okay? So we can't judge this off five years or 10 years. We're not there yet. But you have to take a look at the investment here and what we have. So Zion Williamson has missed a crap ton of games in his NBA career. And you look at the red flags pre-draft and a lot of those red flags are really, really waving very strongly right now. Okay, so you talk about his size and you talk about his injury history. Okay, so you look at the two and you look at the differences and you look at Jaw doesn't really miss a bunch of games. Jaw has his team playing uh, for third or fourth seed right now in the NBA uh, Western Conference. Okay, and you look at Jaw and he's brought life to kind of a boring organization. Right? Memphis has always been boring ever since I was a kid. Even when they were good a few years back, they had, you know, Gasol and, uh, gosh, I can't remember, Randolph, right? And they had a few of those guys. And they were solid, but they were boring. And they've always been boring. And having a little sizzle doesn't really hurt in the NBA. Uh, you know, I know the Spurs were great for a long time, but you know who else has been great? The Warriors, who shot it from a mile deep. Uh, you know, the Showtime Lakers. Uh, Michael Jordan's Bulls had some flash to them. So it doesn't really hurt to kind of be exciting to have some flash to you, okay? And right now the Grizzlies really do. So you look at where they are, and then you look at where the Pelicans are. Zion misses time constantly. Uh, their record is not as good. They try and play through Zion, and, and they've sort of built around Zion, and he's not really, he's not really available. So you look at these things, and you kind of just think to yourself, well, this is what happens, or this is what can happen when you ignore red flags. Red flags are trying to send you signals. This is what possibly could happen. New Orleans either ignored them or said, we don't care about these red flags, and now they're paying the price for it. Okay, just like an investment. If you ignore the red flags in a company and you invest top dollar into that, you can't really be upset when that company starts to tank and you lose your money. So it's really important to know that we as a society, we, we always copy each other, okay? We, we like to see what works. You know, this other person did this or this other company did this or this other team did this and it worked. Okay, so what am I gonna do? Rather than try and you know, defeat them because they're really good at it, we're just going to copy them, right? And that's a good business model. And it's worked for a really long time. Um, you know, I, I'm always reminded of, of Vine. You know, Vine, uh, I, I don't really know what its downfall was. I can't remember. I was kind of too young. But when Vine went by the wayside, it was only a matter of time till we got something that kind of resembles Vine, okay? Because it worked. People really liked it. For whatever reason, they just collapsed. I can't remember why. Okay, and now we have TikTok. TikTok 
worked extremely well and it really blew up. So now companies look at TikTok and they say, okay, that definitely works. TikTok is making a buttload of money. How do we copy what TikTok is doing? And that's what we've seen, okay? So Instagram has Instagram Reels. It's really just TikTok. YouTube has YouTube Shorts, okay? It's not necessarily the exact same, but it's really these short videos that are you know much shorter than a regular YouTube video would be, and so they kind of fall under the category of it's similar to a TikTok. Okay, so we, we copy each other all the time, and for good reason. You know, if you see somebody that you're competing against and they do something that really works, you might as well just copy it. Players will do this too, guys. Okay, and I'm trying to I'm trying to see around corners here. I'm trying to see what's going to happen. And I'm gonna make a prediction. Okay, now I'm not saying this is gonna happen necessarily next year. I'm not gonna say this is gonna happen the year after that. I think that this is going to happen soon though. Within the next five to 10 years, I think we are going to start to see this. Okay, guys, and that is that is people not just opting out of bowl games like we've seen. Tons of guys are opting out of bowl games. I'm predicting that we're going to see guys opt out of their last year before they are draft eligible into the NFL. Okay, guys, and it really kind of started by mistake. But, but last year, I mean, COVID wasn't a mistake. But this whole thing started because of COVID. So a bunch of players opt out of the 2020 college football season. Bunch of players opt out, okay? And what did we see? We saw uh, Jamar Chase sat out. Uh, Rashawn Slater sat out. Penny Sewell sat out. Micah Parsons sat out. And then you kind of look at, you know, what, who, who are the rookies this year in the NFL that are, that are having the most success, that are just impact guys right away? Well, there's quite a few, but I can argue that the two best rookies in all of the NFL are Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons. What do you know? Both of them opted out of their last year of eligibility in college, and they did it because of COVID, right? So if COVID didn't happen, they would have probably played. But sometimes these things happen by accident. Okay, guys, so I'm guessing that they are the first wave, the start of kind of a new trend that we could possibly see down the road. So Jamar Chase sits out. He just works on his game all year. He goes to the Bengals, and what do you know? He's probably the offensive rookie of the year. He is a absolutely dominant receiver, NFL-ready right out of the get-go. I think his first game, he had like over 100 yards and a touchdown. Okay, and then he's capitalized off of that the entire year. So you look on the defensive side of the ball. The rookie of the year in the NFL is probably going to be Micah Parsons. In fact, he's a factor for just the defensive player of the year overall. Guys, he is that elite. But definitely defensive rookie of the year is going to go to Micah Parsons. He also sat out the 2020 season, right? His last year of eligibility in college football, he did not play for Penn State. He sat out. And like I said, he did it because of COVID. But I think this could be the start of a trend. Okay, one of the best offensive linemen in all of college, or in, excuse me, in all of the NFL this year was Rashawn Slater, right? He might be an all pro. He sat out as well. He didn't play for Northwestern. So it's just, it's very intriguing what we're seeing here. We have a bunch of players that 
were NFL ready right out of the get-go, made huge impacts, and were some of the best players overall in the NFL, and they did it as rookies right after they opted out of a college football season. Now, part of me wonders why, and I don't necessarily know why, because I'm a believer that you get better at stuff by doing that stuff, right? So I might be a little bit rusty at making a podcast because I haven't been doing podcasts. Um, You get better at playing football by playing more football. And you can do all the drills you want. Jamar Chase can run all the routes he wants. And Micah Parson can... He can sack all of the, you know, fake dummy bags all he wants. And Rashawn Slater can do pass sets on air all he wants. But you get better by actually playing in games, by actually playing football. I'm a believer in that. So I don't necessarily know why they are just destroying at this level after opting out of the season. Maybe they just would have anyway. Maybe they would have played their last year of college football, and maybe they would have dominated just in the same exact way. You know, I have a few theories. Maybe they are more refreshed because they didn't go through uh, the rigorous season that all of these other college players did. Maybe, you know, there's less wear and tear on their bodies. Uh, maybe they did very specific drills that helped them just get better as a football player. But that doesn't even make a lot of sense because all these other players do. All these other players that are actually playing games, they do the same drills. So I I don't necessarily know why Jamar Chase went off this season or Rashawn Slater or Micah Parsons. Okay, and we can guess all day long, but we will really never actually know. We'll never truly know why they have been so dominant this year. But my guess is we're going to see this in the future. I highly doubt this will happen, but if I were Will Anderson, this is something that I would consider, guys. I was watching the national championship game the other day. It was Monday night. Will Anderson is kind of a defensive end, sort of edge player for Alabama. Okay, he's a true sophomore, so he's ineligible for the draft this season. So he's going to go back to Alabama, play under his true junior year, and then he's going to enter the draft. But guys, should Will Anderson consider opting out of his last final season? You know, I don't think he will because he plays for Nick Saban and that's not really in their DNA. But should he consider that? I think you'd have to take a long look at whether Will Anderson should consider that. You know, I was listening to some guys, uh, listening to a different podcast They were talking about how if he was draft eligible this year, he would probably be the number one overall pick. Normally it's a quarterback, but it's not really a quarterback heavy draft. So Will Anderson would go first. He's certainly better, a a better player and a better prospect than, you know, the Thibodeau kid from Oregon or the Hutchinson kid from Michigan. So you look at it and you go, well, should he opt out of his last season? It worked for these other guys. It's kind of a copycat league in the NFL, right? We always copy what other, what other businesses do, what other teams do, what other people do. It's smart. You copy people who are successful, then you hope to become successful. If I were Will Anderson, I would take a long look at opting out of the season. 
I would contact Micah Parsons. He's a similar player to him. And I would ask him, what did you do to stay in shape? How do you think opting out of your last eligible season helped you prepare for the NFL? Now, there's risk, of course. Will Anderson, um, you know, maybe his stock could kind of shrink. Maybe people would look at that the wrong way. I don't think people looked at these opt-outs the same way, you know, this last season because there was COVID. I feel like that was a reasonable reason to opt out, especially at the time. We didn't really know a bunch about it. So a bunch of these players opted out because of COVID. Now, I don't think people thought less of them as far as NFL uh, you know, personnel people, GMs and whatnot, who, who do the drafting, would they think less of Will Anderson? Because there's no, you know, I, there still is COVID, but let's be honest, in the South, they're, they're not treating it like that. So would they think less of him for opting out? Would they say he abandoned his team? I don't know. You look at the reason to play if you're Will Anderson. Now, I argued, of course, that you get better at football by playing football, especially at a place like Alabama, where just iron sharpens iron. You know, he's going against the best of the best every day of practice that college has to offer. But could he get hurt? Could he cost himself some money? What if he tears his ACL? What if he, you know, what if he breaks a leg? I, I don't know, guys. These are just things to think about. There's a risk-reward thing going on here. Is it worth the risk of coming back to play your last season? Sure, they'll probably win a national championship with Alabama, but the end goal for Will Anderson probably is not to win a national title. It's probably to make millions and be an outstanding NFL player, which he is most likely going to be. Is that worth injury? I don't know. It's just something worth consideration. And if I'm trying to see around corners, I'm really, really aware of the possibility of the best of the best, the elite of the elite players in college football foregoing their last year of eligibility and just saying, hey, I'm going to train for a year and go to the NFL draft. You know, who knows? It worked for Slater. It worked for Chase. It worked for Parsons. And we are a copycat society. You might see that down the road. I don't know. All right, guys. I want to highlight the off-the-bench MVP at this point. Uh, guys, a reminder, the off-the-bench MVP is not your typical superstar player. The off-the-bench MVP is somebody who kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Somebody who's more of a role player and who is playing out of their mind. Guys, this week's off-the-bench MVP is Rashad Penny. Guys, Rashad Penny is a former first-round pick, I believe, in 2018, guys. And uh, he has just had an outstanding last five weeks of the season. Guys, Rashad Penny, the last five games of the NFL season, leads the league in rushing yards. It's 671. Okay, second place is 463. Okay, guys, so he's leading by, like, 208 yards the last five weeks of the season, a mile ahead of second place, who is Jonathan Taylor, who most consider the best running back in the league. Guys, Rashad Penny had an absolutely amazing season, excuse me, an amazing end of the season. 
and he really just got into his rhythm. For him, it's never really been about talent. He was always a talented guy. He was one of the best players in college football out of San Diego State. Okay, guys, uh, it was much maligned when the Seahawks took him. Nobody thought that he was worth that status and worth that pick. People were kind of confirmed because he's sort of been a bust at this point. But it's been based off of injuries, guys. It's never been talent. Okay, so Rashad Penny finally gets healthy, finally stays healthy, and puts together an absolutely monster last few weeks. Guys, he had like six touchdowns in the last five games or something like that, and he's been playing out of his mind, guys. Rashad Penny, congrats to you. You're the off-the-bench MVP. guys that's gonna just about do it here for us today i just really want to thank you guys for tuning in today for logging on and giving this thing a listen i really appreciate when you guys do that stuff it just means a lot to me uh, as always if you guys have any questions for me if you guys want to come on if you guys want to present some topics there's some things you want me to talk on and kind of listen about i would love to take those things in okay guys so don't be afraid to text me or dm me or whatever it is uh, as always, guys, I, I appreciate some retweets or some likes or some sharing on this post when I put it out there. I really appreciate all that stuff, guys. Uh, but other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode today, and uh, I hope you guys have a good one.